When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cardinals are not a desert bird, but they are traveling from the desert to play the Texans in Houston. We're going to talk about that and more on this edition of the bullpen. y'all james roy here this is my co-host partner in crime and number one dynamo fan or at least up there in the rankings um tom chavaria tom how are you doing i'm doing great this is a great time to be a houston sports fan as you said in the last episode everybody's up everybody's winning great great hires i mean i don't know what else to say other than i can't wait for whatever the next whatever next game is whatever next sport is i'm there and coming up, we're doing Cardinals. It's their turn, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. We're welcoming the Cardinals into the Thunderdome. NRG Stadium better be rocking. That's what CJ said. CJ Stroud has put out the call, put out an APB on all the missing Texans fans um, that haven't been at NRG to show up and pack the house so that the Texans can play against the lowly Cardinals in front of a... Um, 70,000 person crowd and I'm all for it. I I am a 100% there. I I've booked the flight. I'm trying to get out there and catch a game in person. So, uh I 100% agree with CJ. Do you feel like football is back in Houston? I know it's a broad question and it's it's very broad to start, but I I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. I truly feel like for me, for you, for the dedicated diehard fan, it absolutely is. For the guys that are on the fence, the guys that CJ's trying to bring back into the building, I think it's getting really close. The more and more you see this team gel, the more and more you see this team grow, the more and more you see this team beat quality opponents and look good doing it, as a young team, you, you can't help but buy in to the idea that hey, they're really got something going on down down on Kirby Street, as uh, some of the guys say. So I am super excited. I really hope that the the fans get out. I hope that it's loud. I hope that it's it's an absolute home field environment. And uh, CJ's asked for it. I really hope we give it to him. No, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. And I think that we're, I, I, I agree with you because we're seeing it in the national media. For the past two weeks, starting with Dan Orlovsky, who I mentioned is, is the Texans and C.J. Stroud's champion in the national media so far, um, we're starting to see the turn. I On Sunday Night Football at halftime, they mentioned to the Texans, and the exact words of, um, I can't remember her name, the one who's who's on there who hosts um, the halftime show, but she said the Texans are down one game to the Jaguars in the AFC South, and who would have thought that's where they'd be at this point in the season? And I think that's a general thought is that in the national media, the Texans are kind of like this. Okay, when is it over? You know, it's like Jeremy Lin. It's like Lin Sanity. It's like, okay, cool. He's, he's playing some good basketball. But, like, when does it end? 
And it's like, I mean, I personally, I don't have any reason to believe it's going to end anytime soon. But I understand the skepticism after watching this team do what they've done for the past three years. For the first time in 800 and something, some number of days, they have a winning record. <laughs> it's a long time to go without watching winning football in Houston. And so, I mean, they didn't even, they didn't even win a game in Houston last year, I don't believe. And so it, I understand the skepticism and I understand the target audience of CJ Stroud's comments are probably slowly turning it around. I've seen a lot of comments on Twitter that are like, oh, I can be a fan of my hometown team again. Like there's, cause there's different kinds of fandom. There's like, I'm a fan of the team and I'll ride till the, till I die. And there's, I, I like my hometown team, but I'd prefer they be good before I actually really follow it. And I respect both because there's people that will follow you into the mud. And then there's people who like have better things to do with their time. It's sports. I mean, it, it, it takes a lot out of you to follow a team that's just absolutely horrible for extended periods of time. And so those people will take a second to believe that this team is back. And so I, I can respect that. But getting into this matchup with the Cardinals, Kyler Murray's back. Winning is back in Arizona. At least it was last week. They won on a last-second field goal against the Falcons. And so if you follow this, the cycle, the, the Falcons beat the Texans and the Cardinals beat the Falcons. So that means the Texans have to beat the Cardinals, right? Just to keep the, the circle of winning and losing going on, right? That's that's how it works. No, <laughs> What do you make of, of, of Kyler Murray being back, and how do you think it affects the Texans' game plan going into this next weekend or this weekend? I truly believe that if I'm D'Amico Ryans, that I treat Kyler Murray as he was before he got hurt. Because if, if you saw the game, he came out, he did it with his legs, he did it with his arm, and uh, he looked like the Kyler Murray of old. So that pre presents an interesting challenge because Joe Burrow was basically an on-the-spot type guy, extend-the-play type guy, where I truly believe that if Arizona has any chance of winning this game, Kyler Murray's going to have to do some special things with his legs, which he's shown to do in the past. So it's going to be incredibly tough and challenging for this team to now shift gears to a to a mobile quarterback and try to contain him because that's that's really his his bread and butter and I think he's got some pretty interesting weapons around him too which we'll get further into. And and our really our sample size of the Texans against a mobile quarterback is as long as, you know, Anthony Richardson was healthy in the Colts Texans matchup, which was a very short amount of time. I cannot emphasize enough how short of an amount of time in that game Anthony Richardson was both healthy and playing and in the game because he scored two touchdowns in that stretch. And so that's concerning that for such an incredibly short, small, I, I, I'm going to, I've described it enough. It was a very small sample size that we got and there was a lot of scoring going on in that stretch. So the, the mobility is, cannot be understated as a thing that affects the game plan. I think that the Cardinals with Josh Dobbs also worried me for different reasons just because Josh Dobbs is on his, I'm a, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick era where he's like the traveling journeyman quarterback who is suddenly playing really good football for a team that he has no business playing good football for. We saw that in Houston with Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, briefly. He was, we were one of the teams that benefited from that, that era of Fitz magic. Um, but yeah, I agree that the mobility of, of Murray is something to be worried about. Do you think there's anything else about the Cardinals to really be worried about? From the Texans perspective? Absolutely. There, there's a couple weapons there. James Connor is also also back. 
when he's right, he's able to uh, be a dual threat running back in the passing game and, you know, just toting the rock. Uh, they've got a tight end who I've been playing in Daily Fantasy who looks the part. Uh, Trey McBride, I believe his first name's Trey. His oh, last yeah, he name's- had a great game this past week. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. It went for almost 100 yards. And um, they've got Hollywood Brown, who's a burner, who can get up and down the field. So they've got weapons. And it's one of those things that I feel if 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 the Texans overlook this team, much in, in a similar vein, Atlanta kind of overlooked them a little bit. They could surprise them, and I would hate for that in their building. Now, I've been seeing a lot of ads for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. And the reason I bring that up is that we are playing against the Kyler Murray Cardinals now. So is that is that when does that release? Because if it releases this next weekend, then like the Texans are set. We're not going to get the best version of Kyler Murray, right? Have you seen that statistic that links his play to when Call of Duty releases and like double XP weekends and stuff? And the game's already out there. So if he's if, if it's a problem, it's already a problem. Ooh, and he looked so he pretty good last well week through the release. Yep. Yep. All right, well, I guess we're just going to have to really win this game. I, I Now, James Conner is a great story. I remember when he was in Pittsburgh and he had to step up um, and play starting running back. I can't remember who he stepped in for, but, you know, um, his his time, I think it was Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell went out, and, and that was what kind of tanked Le'Veon Bell as a running back in the NFL was, was, was James Conner stepping up and playing the position. A guy from Pitt who had cancer, who recovered, came back. Incredible story, and he's been a really good running back at points. Um, I think the Texans can handle him. They just have to not underestimate him. And the way that that team has performed would give them every reason to underestimate him. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That That is a player that sticks out to me, and I agree with you on Hollywood Brown. Now, from a defensive perspective, is CJ going to encounter any issues with the Cardinals' defense? That's a good question. Um, Atlanta is, is is a hard barometer because – I don't know that you can look at them and kind of look at the Texans and kind of comparably go, oh, okay, well, you know, they've got uh, Pitts, the tight end, who's really good. There's Dalton Schultz. Oh, they got Drake London. He's pretty good. Cordell Patterson, Bijan Robinson. I feel like their offense is not the same, you know, with uh, Heineke or um, struggling with uh, Ritter, with Ritter be- behind center. So, I think it's advantage Texans there. I mean, Atlanta was able to move up and down the field and score points. So I don't see them stopping the Texans. It's really just going to be on them to execute the same manner they did against Cincinnati. I mean, I'm going to be honest. If I'm naming players on the Cardinals defense, I know there's Jalen Thompson and he's played all right. Um, I'm, I'm not super familiar with their game. So, so going into the season, a lot of people projected the Texans and the Cardinals as very similar teams. So I think that a lot of people thought this matchup was going to be the Texans kind of looking in the mirror and hoping for the best. And so to, to see how the two teams' paths have kind of gone this season, uh, the Cardinals have kind of played very on brand to what they were thought to be. And um, they're kind of play- – with Kyler Murray coming back, it's surprising that they're playing him. They're kind of playing themselves out of draft position. Um, with the way Kyler Murray can play – it almost makes sense. I think that with the way that Caleb Williams has has shown over the past few weeks, it kind of makes it seem like we should try and make Kyler Murray work because he succeeded at this level. Because Caleb Williams is is bar none the top prospect, 
but I think the you know world crushing world ender attributes about him have kind of like shown weaknesses. So I I can see why the Cardinals are trying to go the Kyler Murray route. Um, I can see why they're two and eight, and I and I think it's amazing that the Texans aren't in that situation, and it just speaks to how much they've done throughout this season. Um, do you do you think that this is a is a trap game? Do you think that the Texans will could possibly go into this the same way they did the Panthers game, and and come out with a similar result? What are your thoughts on that? I don't because I believe they were still searching for identity early on in the season when they played the Panthers. I know that wasn't that long ago; it was three games ago. But I believe that the the offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick really kind of played that game to the script. And I've been saying that. And when I what I mean by that when I say it is that Carolina on paper has a horrible run defense. We need to try at all costs to run the football when their best offensive weapon is clearly C.J. Stroud. So rather than play to the script, they should have said, okay our best needs to be what we use and not try to beat the numbers game. And since then, I think you've seen a different team. I think you've seen a team that CJ Stroud is going to be option a option B and maybe even option C, depending on what the score and what the scenario is. They haven't really been a, okay, we're going to run it on first down, run it on second down and then CJ bail us out. I mean, and it's really worked. So this is something that has has evolved over the last month or so to where I don't think it's going to be a, a simple game plan that you're just going to be able to peg the Texans for, oh, they like to do this, they like to do that. A lot of like that, that, that great offense that you see in San Francisco, I think you're starting to see that with the Texans where they've got different plays and different things where it's, it's interesting. I mean, you look at a guy like Noah Brown – he's finding unbelievably huge pockets of space. And you're like, how is he so open? And I think a lot of that has to do with scheme and design and credit to Bobby Sloak and his, and his team for really identifying, okay, we've got a really great thing in CJ Stroud and we need to lean into it. He's ready for the load. We can give it to him and go to work. I can't say enough about how, how Bobby Slowick has adjusted his scheme. It's very much like, you know, from uh, understanding what the 49ers do, and how it's supposed to work, it's very much a run the ball, run the ball, and then hope that you're in a good position to pass it on later downs. Like It's not geared towards a pass-first offense, but to, to retool and understand what's going to make the team successful and make it work, um, that, that's a huge you know, improvement and a huge you know, kudos to Bobby Slowick for figuring that out. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, I, well, I, let's not talk about that one. I want to talk about injuries. Do, do you think the Texans injury over under 20 players on the injury report? I think it's under because I think that was last injury report was something around that number. Yeah. And I got, I feel like some of these guys got to be coming back soon. They got to be. I hope. Now, what do you think? So juice Scruggs, the man, the myth, no legend, just a myth. He's a myth right now. Is he back this week? This is the longest hamstring injury. That's not required surgery I've ever seen. Outside of maybe Derek Stingley, he spent a lot of time with with hamstring injuries that did not require surgery. So for for me, uh, I'm riding the hot hand. Dieter's been the guy. I think he's performed ab- admirably. Whatever Juice Scruggs is going to be, I think that's going to be over time. 
I think you need to see him practice for a couple weeks. I think there's there's got to be a whole deal where he just needs to be out there in pads for a while, moving around before you give him any kind of responsibility because this team is is really playing well right now. And the last thing you would want is to have a rookie center who's had no playing time in their making rookie center mistakes because you feel like, well, on paper, he's he's the the better graded guy, skilled guy, had the, the better measurables, whatever you want to call it. I'd rather just stick with what's working now and build him up in the same vein as I, I know he's injured and out for the season, but but uh Keon Green, right? Kenyon, Kenyon Green. Um, I would rather you just slowly work him in. And however that works, it works, as opposed to forcing it because the draft's position says you should. I feel you on that. Now, the one thing I'll say to you is, is that Juice Scruggs is a center slash guard. He has played guard. Do you think that if they believe that he reasonably improves the guard, the left guard position, that they put him in and shift Titus back to right tackle? I mean, Fant's been doing great, and Titus Howard has been would probably be better suited to play right tackle. And so do you think that there's merit in trying to get him back if they believe Juice can play left guard better than Titus Howard does? Maybe he's a rotational piece. Maybe somebody that we work in slowly. Okay, I'm going to give Titus a couple plays off. We'll rotate him in, that kind of deal. Maybe I give George Fan a couple plays off and we rotate Titus over there. But by and large, just to start him and go to work with it like that, I don't think you need to. Uh, it, it, it's better to have him as a fallback than, than just throw him to the wolves and something bad happens. Yeah, I mean, I can see merit to it. At this point, I don't know if, if I'm thinking about Juice Scruggs as a this season thing. Like, even if he does come back, I I have hope that he comes back and I would love to see him be impactful. Um, but I'm not holding my breath on that anymore. There was points over the past couple weeks where I was like, can he please come back now? Why wasn't he back yesterday? Um, but I've moved on from that at this point. I would, you know, like I said, I'd love to see him back, but we'll see what happens. Um, uh, so what about Toa Toa? So I think that Toa Toa got a lot more airtime because of Christian Harris's shortcomings early on. Um, but as Christian Harris has proven to be, he's proven to be a lot better over the past couple weeks. Do you think that if Toa Toa comes back that they might have him rotate in instead of being, he, he's the leading tackler on the team. At least he was going into this last game before you know being injured and not playing. Um, do you think that there's reason to believe that he might come back and start, or do you think that he rotates when he's back? It's interesting because I, I imagine that D'Amico wants really badly to have a, a, a Cashman, Harris, Toa Toa, with maybe a Perryman uh, rotation type thing going on. But I don't think it has to happen that way. I think you can slowly work Toa Toa back in, kind of build him up. Um, one of the one of the benefits I think of being asked to play with all these injuries throughout the season is they've been really good at the the cliche next man up thing. So when these guys come back from injury, I don't feel like there's any real rush to rushing these guys because they've been winning without them. So rather than force, force, force these guys back into a role and risk re-injury or whatever, or or them just not being at top speed, game ready, 
I think they can just ride with what they got. And as, as guys get more comfortable, more acclimated, more back into their old routine, then, okay, we'll make a change. Uh, that's, that's just my opinion. They may just throw them right back to the wolves and go, all right, these are our guys go eat. And that's cool too. But when you look at some of these opponents that they're coming up against, I feel like if there was ever a time for them to not force it because you feel like on paper, you should be able to get through these games without them. That's what they should do. Yeah. And, and I love that you brought up the next man up mentality. We've talked about that many times over the course of the season. It's definitely can come across cliche. And at first when D'Amico said it, I was like, that's definitely something he's saying because he has to say it. But it's just legitimately been the way this team is like and to speak to it, the when we were talking about the Bengals injury report, we were like T Higgins and and Jamar Chase might be out. T Higgins ended up being out. Jamar Chase played. But those two injuries to me were more impactful to the Bengals lineup than the Texans like 22 injuries that they had going into the week. Like I, I was thinking to myself, I don't know who they're going to put out there, but I just have trust that they know what's going to happen. And that's a weird feeling. As of late, I'm, I'm finding myself using words like trust and believe and talking about the Texans. And it's just without like kind of – I feel like fans sometimes. I personally, you know, within the Davis Mills years, you know, you throw all your support behind him and you go, this is the guy, he's going to be great. And you say it, but you're thinking in the back of your mind, is he? I mean, I hope he is. But, like, when, you know, C.J. Stroud goes out there, when the Texans, you know, have a lot of injuries and put players out there, I legitimately go, I, I trust that D'Amico's got something cooking. Like, let let D'Amico cook. Did you see that picture the Texans uh, posted on Twitter? The the kid that was there that said, let C.J. cook. That's everyone. That's, that's Texans Twitter in a nutshell. Every game is like, Bobby, can you let C.J. cook? And so – yeah, I mean, injuries don't phase me right now. We'll find, we'll probably find a point where there's enough of them that it might. But we've we've had a lot, and and it just seems like this roster overcomes it. This is this is a deep roster. It's deeper than a lot of people thought it was going to be. It's better than a lot of people thought it was going to be. But I guess we'll move towards score predictions. Um, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. I feel like we're both going to be predicting maybe a little further apart than we usually do. Like in terms of like the score, I want to say that I do. However, I feel like Kyler Murray's gonna do some things that the Texans just haven't seen enough of, and I hope I'm wrong. I'll be more than happy to say I was wrong the way I said I was wrong about last week. Yeah. However, it's these games where you see something just a little different. Where okay, now they score an extra touchdown or something somewhere. So I have this game. And, and it's going to sound kind of weird, but I think it's going to be like a 30 to 20 Texans win. I, I, I feel like it's going to still be not as stressful as the last one. However, I don't think the Texans defense is just going to roll over this Cardinals team, even though they probably should. No, yeah. And I, the, once again, the mobile quarterback thing is what's throwing me off on that. So, but I, I still, in this case, I hate to be. That guy, once again, I've, I've talked to you about how I feel about like how fans give predictions and they feel like if they give it a certain way, they're going to like jinx the team or something. But I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it. I'm going to give the prediction that's legitimately on my mind. I'm going to try and be as honest and forthcoming as possible. Um, I'm going with like a 31 to 17 win for the Texans. Um, I like the, the Texans getting at least 30 points. I think that's very feasible, certainly. I think that the Cardinals may show early 
and like make it a competitive game, but the Texans will pull away um, late, or at least or you know in the second or in the early in the first half, um, early in the second half. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just have trouble making this much closer than that in my head. I really hope the Texans back me up here and and make my thoughts come to reality. Last week we were hoping and praying that we were wrong. This week I think we're both hoping and praying that we're correct. Um, but now I guess we'll get into a storybook ending. We'll go ahead and and see what I've got with the spread so far apart. It's hard to come up with one, as you know. But we'll go. We'll start in the third quarter. The te- the Texans and the Cardinals are coming out of the half, and the Cardinals are up seventeen to fourteen. And the Excuse Texans me? are just, you know, D'Amico's laying into him in the locker room. Like, guys, you know, culture, 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 culture. Whatever he has to say to instill the words I just said in the team, he's saying it. It's it's happening. Um, and then everyone, you know, looks into D'Amico's glowing head that's shining and goes, the beacon of hope, it's there. We'll follow you into the dark, and we're going to beat the Cardinals now even though we should have already been beating them. <laughs> and so we'll start in the third quarter where it's it's about five minutes in. The Cardinals had the first possession. They held it a bit but didn't do anything with it. The Texans get the ball back. They're sitting at the 20, and C.J. Stroud just puts together a methodical drive, just absolute gem that culminates in a Devin Singletary goal line touchdown run. The Texans take the lead. They are now up 21-17. to uh, 17. And then the Cardinals get the ball back. Kyler Murray, early in that drive, drops back, throws a pick. The Texans, in typical Texans fashion, there's many things that have changed for the Texans, but this is not one of them. They drive down the field, they get inside the red zone and stall. And so towards about four or five minutes left in the third quarter, Texans go up 24-17. to 17. And then pretty uneventful, the Texans are just leaving them hanging there within seven, not much going on. And then a whole quarter later, about five minutes left, the Texans get the ball, and CJ just unloads a bomb, just absolutely nukes them, just sends it into orbit to Noah Brown on a nice, it's like probably 30 yards of air travel, hits Noah Brown, Noah Brown makes a cut, gone, touchdown. And then that's it. That's all the scoring for the rest of the game. The Texans just kind of rely on the defense to close it out, and the defense does that. What do you think? Was that uneventful? Boring? I don't know. I mean, the fact that you had the Texans down at any point it makes it uh, interesting. I sincerely hope they're not down at any point in this game. Same. Um, I'm interested when you predicted a Singletary t- rushing touchdown. Is that with Pierce back or not? Uh, do you have I, I like mean, a I, Do you have like a read trendy. on? Go ahead. Pierce hadn't practiced much at all. I don't have much hope for him coming back until. Uh, well, granted, I guess it'd make more sense for Pierce to be back because if the Texans didn't put him on IR and they have him out for two weeks, this is the week that he comes back. And if they don't bring him back this week, they look dumb for not putting him on IR. So, yeah, Pierce is probably back there. They'll give Singletary the goal line carry. It'd be like a toss, it wouldn't be an interior run. I'm interested to see what happens with that. I mean,. I think you could get a scenario where if Pierce comes back and he's fresh and healthy and they just absolutely just run the football, run wild, because I don't I don't see the Cardinals being some great run defense. 
Uh, I know uh, Bijan Robinson had a couple gashing runs against them, and uh, we'll see. I, I Ritter ran for a touchdown, so uh, I, I could definitely see a scenario where they where they establish the run and run a lot. Yeah, I could definitely see it too, and and I think what might source the Devin Singletary touchdown that I fictionally made up in in my recountance is probably the fact that he it's a play the hot hand thing and as much as you don't want to make it about it being who's better out of the two if pierce is back this week he's likely he's returning from injury so you had devin singletary have one of the best weeks of his career last week and then you bring pierce back to give him the bulk or the lion's share of the carries and put him in situations like that just doesn't seem reasonable from the, that perspective, that situation gives me reason to believe that that Singletary will likely get those important carries while Pierce works his way back in. But I, I mean, I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to see a 150-yard Damian Pierce game loaded up against the Cardinals. Be amazing. I don't necessarily see it like that. I just I imagine a scenario where Pierce runs the rock, goes like three, four downs in a row with the ball, and then he gets a breather, and Pierce comes in. I'm sorry, Singletary runs a rock three or four times, and then Pierce comes in and vultures the touchdown from him. Yeah, that's definitely feasible. I, I could see it happening. We'll see. Uh, obviously, I am O and um, at this point, O and 9 on my <laughs> storybook scenarios. So I, while I write a, a mean story and I know how to add a plot twist that makes it at least kind of interesting, um, not right a lot of the time because fiction and and nonfiction don't mix. I guess I don't know. I I, I could be an NFL scriptwriter if the NFL is scripted though. That's for sure. <laughs> um. All right. Well, with that, we've both given our predictions. Are there any final thoughts you have on this matchup before we send send the viewers home? I really hope for the health of the Houston Texans. Um, at this point in time, we don't know whether we get Jimmy Board or Pierce or any of the, the wounded soldiers back. But if any of those guys suit up on Sunday, I think that only makes me feel better about the current situation of this game and that, you know, the Texans can get it done because they're missing some really key pieces. Nico Collins, you know, Damian Pierce, Jimmy Ward, and for them to still be doing what they're doing, it's pretty awesome. What a, what a beautiful time to bring the wounded soldiers, as you called them, home. What more better of a time than at the military appreciation game in NRG? Bring them all home, every single one of them. <laughs> all right. Um. Well, I I agree with all you said. I don't I don't think I could say it any better. Um. I, I mean, I'm hoping that C.J. Stroud continues to put up his MVP numbers. That's my big thing. I I need the Texans to have an MVP. I'm I'm taking something out of this season, whether it's a Super Bowl, a playoff appearance, CJ Stroud is MVP. Uh, one of those things is gonna happen. Maybe maybe all three of them. Who knows? Um <laughs> ooh, don't don't take that as me calling the Texans in the Super Bowl quite yet. Although I did officially go on record in the offseason saying the Texans will win a Super Bowl within this decade. So we're we're in that window. It's close. The rebuild is over. I'm calling it right now. It's done. Texans are no longer rebuilding, they're reloading. That's what they're doing. So with that, if you like the podcast, go ahead and like, comment, subscribe. Thanks for listening to the bullpen. Um, if, if you like sports, specifically the Texans, um, PSF app is a great place. We're going to be live for the game this weekend. So 
go ahead and hop on in the Texans chat and hop on during the game. You can get some live, you know, fan chat and interaction. You can hop up on the stage with us early on. Tom will be there by himself. You can hop on and, and act like you're his co-host for the first quarter or so if you want. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be in, in church praying for the Texans to not choke away this game. So, um, but go ahead and download the PSF app and join the Texans chat room. And uh, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm at M1 Texans fan. It's also how you can find the YouTube channel for this if you want to get the video format and get all of the facial expressions and reactions from Tom and I during the show. Um, Tom is at Third Coast Tom on the Twitter app. He refuses to call it X. It is Twitter, and I 100% agree with him. Um, and yeah, that's it. Like, comment, subscribe, like I said. Um, yeah, and go Texans. We're going to get the dub against the Cardinals. It's got to happen. It has to happen. Roy is going to predict it to happen, I bet. And so, yeah. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching or whatever it is you're doing. And H-Town forever. Vamos, Texans.